Welcome to Series 2 of Growing Through Dance Podcast. Already here we are on Episode 3, the first part of the interview with the talented and dedicated Dr Nathan James, known to many as a teacher, performer, tap specialist, adjudicator, examiner and lecturer. He also achieved a PhD in musical theatre. Nathan discussed that he was bullied throughout his school life, so didn't really engage with people. But seeing other boys dance helped his inspiration, even though he was a lost soul. Dance gave him the ability to find a voice as well as a passion, and this has kept him strong throughout his life's ups and downs. So, good morning, Nathan. Thank you very much for coming to talk to me this morning. Good morning, Catherine. Thank you very much for having me. So, we're going to talk about how you, as a young man, found dance and how your careers developed. So, first of all, can you go back in your mind and think about your first dance lesson? Really interesting. My first dance lesson, um, it was in one of, I, I, I can, the, the building's actually only been recently knocked down. It was a bizarre thing. I don't actually understand how I ended up there. It was, a, I think it was a neighbour's uh, daughter that I went along with. And it was one of those kind of, I, I say, new startup schools. And they did a sort of 20 minutes ballet, 20 minutes acro, 20 minutes tap. But I really don't remember anything about it. I don't remember enjoying it. I don't remember disliking it. I just remember I stopped. Um, and I don't know why. And then when I was nine, I went to see 42nd Street um, at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. Uh, and a young Catherine Zeta-Jones um, was then playing Peggy. And I came out of that theatre on cloud nine. Uh, and I don't ever remember stopping dancing since. Um, because I was like, that's it. I want to be a dancer. And so I went back uh, to dance classes. I only did tap to begin with. And then eventually I decided to take up modern. So I was probably about 10, 11. And then I guess, you know, even then I started to take things a little bit more seriously. And what was interesting, there was a dance school close to my grandmother's, which was very famous in the area. And the reason I never went there to begin with was my aunt took me and we were looking at one of the classes. She had an outside studio so you could look, stand from outside and look through the window. So I was just having a look and she said about, she said to me, I still remember, she said, oh, she said, I don't know how I feel about you wearing a pair of fishnet tights. That put me off going. I was like, oh, I'm not going there then. But obviously as I started to know more about dance, probably about 12, and started to have, I started to realise it was something I wanted to take more seriously. I, I went to the school because it was ultimately um, probably offered more varied training. And so I was there and I, I did ba- uh, modern and tap. Um, I then took up ballet. I was 13 when I started ballet. Um, I do kick myself for not starting that sooner. Mm. Um, but that was a big learning curve for me. I had the option, I did speech and drama. Um, I also did ballroom and Latin. We did jazz syllabus came out, which was more of a, a uh, the, the jazz syllabus we did was actually rather than jazz dance as we kind of know it now, it looked more at kind of the traditional jazz styles, the kind of the Lindy Hop, the Shorty George, oh, yeah. that period. And it didn't really take off. So we, we didn't do it for very long. And I did, I was involved in lots of amateur operatics. I did pantomimes and youth productions. And, you know, for me, dance became a huge part of my life. I think from 13 onwards, it was my home. And I was that typical kid that could throw a sickie at school. They can't come back and get me on this now. We're a <laughs> statute of limitations has long gone, but I, I would throw a sickie, but I was always well enough to go dancing. Always suddenly better by five o'clock. And it was interesting growing up as a boy because I didn't have any, I didn't have any male influences um, in from a dance point of view. 
there were two, three other boys in the dance school, um, but they were a little bit older than me. And it wasn't till I kind of, I went from being okay to suddenly, particularly with tap, suddenly I was in what was elementary then, intermediate as we call it now. And when I kind of moved up to the big, with a big class, I was 13, 14, they were 17, 18. So that was a big jump. And there I had the two boys to kind of give me a little bit more just camaraderie, let's say, but because of the age difference, there really wasn't that connection. And so, it, it, yeah, it was a, it was a bit strange. Um, I did do a brief kind of competitions. Problem for me was I was short. Um, I'm now six foot. I eventually grew. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I was very short and I was fat. So I went into high school as the kind of one of the shortest and the, and the fattest or fatter ones, shall I say. And I came out that way. And I kind of, I know, you know, we have, you know, without being disrespectful, talking about size, it, it you know, I, I can do it with um, complete humour about it because it was the truth. And, I, you know, I can't deny from that. It's it's something that, you know, did affect me because I didn't grow till I was about 18, 19. So everybody was like, well, who's this porky boy that dances? Yet the biggest question is, how did I do that much dancing and be the size that I was? That was really yeah. difficult. But at that same time, so maybe I was about 15, maybe, I started to realise that dance was the thing that I wanted to do. Up to that point, I wanted to be a weatherman. A weatherman? Yes. And prior to that, I also wanted to be a languages teacher. Um, so kind of a kind of a varied kind of mix. Yes. Um, school wasn't a good experience for me. There was bullying, but I'm not going to say it was, I, that, you know, it wasn't anything beyond just, you know, playground taunting. Mm. But I was, you know, as a boy that danced, that didn't happen, especially yeah. in the Midlands at that time. I was the only one in my school that did really. Kind of coping mechanism was avoidance. I avoided any kind of contact with people. I didn't have any friends at school really because... I just it avoided getting into that are they gonna talk about me you know make fun of me whereas at dancing was different you have a little bit more of a family and doing mm-hmm. the operatic but I was a weird kid um you know I'm very open about that I was quite a, a solo uh, kind of a child let's say um but then about 15 16 I realized I wanted to take things more seriously and I actually went back to my old dance school at the same time so I did that naughty thing where I went to two dance schools <laughs> Because I wanted to do my teacher, my teaching qualifications. Right. So I did my IDTA teaching qualifications with one school, my NATD with another. On top of that, I also studied BBO. And then when I was 16, 17, I also went to an ISTD school and I did my, uh, what was then elementary and, adv- uh, and intermediate. So what would we would call intermediate, yeah. that's one tap. And I mean, it's about 18, I had six associates. And I had, you know, several uh, vocational qualifications, you know, across a range of subjects and boards. But that doesn't necessarily mean I was the greatest of dancers, because what I did lack is I didn't have a male role model when it came to teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not me being dismissive of having a female teacher. It's the same as me being a male teaching a female. But I think you do need to experience both. You know, we, we all move differently um, and the female body is different to the male body. And, mm. and so I was a very wet dancer, I would say. In that sense, I hadn't kind of found that oomph and that kind of drive that was, you know, we don't, we, we, we're changing our, you know, thankfully our attitudes are changing. But, you know, boys had to be boys and girls had to be girls. You know, it was, it was very, you know, that, that was the dance world.
child of the time. So absolutely, you know, I remember one of my boy students being very annoyed with me because he wanted to dance like the girls, and I was trying to get him to dance like a boy. And it's and it's 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 difficult, but it stays with you. It's you know we are we are the generation that are are having to reconfigure our thought because mm. we've been conditioned. You know, dancers have always been conditioned, and I don't mean that in a in an inappropriate way. I just mean we've always been conditioned in a certain mindset. Um, so that's kind of where I went. So by the time I was I did my A levels, I remember the week that I had my A levels, I also had four associate exams. And I know one of those days, Friday afternoon at the town hall, I did my elementary ballet, I did my advanced two tap, I did my associate stage, as it was called then. Uh, yeah, I think that was it. So the afternoon was just me. How my bright brain worked. And I, I very early on, you know, as a, as a male got scene i was very into the idta because it was so huge in in the midlands i was on i think i was on yes i was on the committee so at the age of 17 i was actually on the committee for the area um did all the courses i used to go up to sheffield to do classes with you know the, the names as it were local training in birmingham used to go to congress I, you know at 19 i'd done my licentiate ballet so you know i was pretty headstrong but i only wanted to teach which was, mm. like, was really interesting and then it came to colleges um so the stipulation from my mother was um, I had to do my A-levels. I'll be honest, I didn't care about my education. It really didn't interest me. I was a bright kid and I did well in my GCSEs, but I wasn't interested at all. I hated my A-levels. I thought they were the biggest waste of time. So when I was at college, um, I did my A-levels uh, and I was the generation that did GCSE and A-level dance with with teachers who weren't dance teachers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with all the respect in the world, any any of us that went to all these dance classes paid, you know, we're not going to enjoy it if we're taught yeah. myself that doesn't know how to dance um and that you know that so i i, I hated um that whole time of, of gcc and a levels it's very very difficult but when it came to going to college you know in the midlands not having a, a kind of big network we had no social media obviously and the exposure to colleges was was very limited um there was no outreach and there was no real um kind of connection mm. i came my dance school was a big school but it wasn't what we call a big competition school and, and only a few people had kind of gone on to to kind of careers or professional training most of my peers didn't they did dance to a very high level but purely for recreational purposes mm. they went into more serious you know jobs some of them are oh. optometrists and all kinds of things so didn't really know where i was going i remember i auditioned for london studio center now, London Studio Centre was one of the first degrees in uh, musical theatre, or you could specialise in dance, ballets, you know, the same structure they have now. What was difficult is it was a gen time when there was no funding because they were private colleges. Um, and I remember the day clearly, it was at the old buildings in York, I think it was York Road, is right by King's Cross. It was a horrendous day. It was a ballet class followed by a jazz class followed by a contemporary class. And I was late because I got stuck in all that traffic coming off the M40 down the Marylebone Road. So I ran into the ballet class and it, the class itself was a blur. All I remember is the jazz teacher, um, Jackie, who was really famous. Her eyes were the most fascinating things I've ever seen. She just had these piercing eyes. Um, and then there was Doris Barry, who, if I'm right in thinking, was uh, Alyssi Markova's sister. A very elderly lady was sat mm. there, dressed up, and she, she called me over. She went, darling, she went, come here. She went... I've noticed on your application you're not um, you're not doing uh, singing or acting, and I was like, no. She said, I really want to see you sing and act. She said, you've got something. She said, uh, can we see you? She said, can you do something? And I was like, uh, 
okay. Thankfully, I had got some stuff with me and I'd just done a chorus line. So I, I'd had a, I had something I could act. And I remember going into the ballet physical, went down to sing, having never sung in an audition kind of formally like this mm. before. I messed up my introduction. I got belittled uh, by the singing teacher who since has now become a good friend, although he obviously doesn't remember that audition. And it set off a chain of things that I've always fought for. Um, so if you can make a note to remind me about this, it's about at what point do we look at the person as the professional versus the student? Yeah. So if you can make a note mm, of that point, because it's really, it's, it has stayed with me forever. And then I went into the acting and I did this speech from a chorus line and it was uh, Paul, not Paul. It was a very graphic speech about growing up in puberty. And I remember looking at this elderly lady who I am sure has seen it all and heard it all, but going from beetroot red, because I thought here I am talking about the subjects that they want me to talk about. And it was mortifying. So that was that. And then I got called into an in interview with a panel of people. And the first thing they said is, well, you're never going to make it as a dancer, are you? You know, Doris Barry chimed up, well, he's a wonderful actor and singer. And I thought he was so charismatic and they went so let's talk about how when you're going to start studio center and i just said i don't think there's any point having that discussion there isn't anywhere to start so i kind of left and i remember just being so dis disheartened didn't know who to talk to about it my careers teachers at college were were just in constant state of flux that why aren't you going on to an academic you should be reading english and blah 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 blah, blah and didn't want to know and i remember about three months after it studio center called me we haven't had your, your uh, registration forms in your fees that's because I'm I'm not coming. <laughs> a young, naive boy from the Midlands, they didn't really make it very appealing in terms of where you would live. Well, here's the address of a local YMCA, sort it mm -hmm. out. You know, and again, before computers, so we couldn't get online and check things out. Mm -hmm. um, so I ended up going to Mad College in Nottingham, um, which has been going well over 40 years now, run by uh, Mrs. Frances Clayton, who at the time, well, is a senior examiner for the IDTA. Mm -hmm. And we actually met in an associate's exam she did my associate modern and i've always joked with her that she gave me the lowest mark gave me an 85 which she says is, is quite high for her so i must have done all right but i went to the college you know not really knowing anything the college was was not in a, in a great state and it had lost its accreditation which you know again i didn't know much about this it now it's it's really way up there and that's wonderful yes. to see and i know i love you know i've caught up with emma her daughter and, and francis and it's, it's brilliant to have chats to see where it's gone and it's exciting it's really really found its kind of niche brilliant but i really have to credit my ballet teacher Fiona McGuinness she just she did what any good teacher did she looked at me and went you've got potential but you're a hot mess very kind of sporadic training you've got some things are great but your ballet technique my goodness so she basically pulled me apart and put me back together again mm. and I adore her for that because I found a new voice in ballet that I'd never had because I didn't have the greatest physique for it. My turnout, you know, wasn't great. I had a very restricted mobility in my hips. Grand Batman's fine, but anything a la seconde really struggled with. But I was always considered the technical dancer at college. The singing was not greatly focused. The acting, I walked around in a bubble for all lesson and don't really know. So I just focused on my ballet, 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 but then during the the kind of Christmas leading into the second term, so this is my first year, you know, I obviously started to question my sexuality. That kind of just threw me a curveball. I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, I ended up, I dropped out of college. I remember going to Miss Clayton and said, I'm having to leave. She just sobbed. I was, I just, I can't do it. I, I hated dance. There was so much going on in my mm. head. Um, I was working front of house at a theatre, the Alex Theatre in Birmingham, the Alexandra, and had a wonderful time working there with, you know, probably like-minded people. Yes. And I was lost, really, really lost. Um, and I think we all go through this. When you invest so much time in dance, 
um, you get you do get lost in it all. And and I I needed to break away. I was then going to become the front of house supervisor and then maybe the manager. And and I was like, oh, is that the career I want? And I remember going to the BBO used to do their annual congress at Roehampton University. So I decided to go for that because I still have my ties uh, with the BBO. And it just gave me a new lease of life when you're doing ballet classes with Anita Young and mm. Ronald Emblem and I'm doing tap with Debbie Clark and it just and I remember um what's her name the Marchioness of London Derry Doreen Wells she did a guest tap class and I still remember she walked in in a leopard print leotard with her high heels on high heel tap shoes and these just this sleek figure and these fishnet tights and just gave this most inspiring tap class and I, I remember coming back to the theatre where I worked and one of the uh, the more senior elderly um, front of house uh, said to me she said Nathan I haven't seen you smile like this for so long and I went yeah because I've just been dancing again that's why so you found it again <laughs> yeah found my love again so what I did was with Mads Mr Clayton was really upset with me but it is what it is I didn't want to go back to the college full-time I didn't want to train I didn't want to do the show I just didn't want to do it but I wanted to do my ballet so I went back privately um, and joined in some classes and then had private coaching with Fiona and I did my elementary as it was then ballet imperial ballet and my associate's and she was like, are you, why aren't you going, you know, onto a ballet career? I was like, I've never thought about it because of my mm -hmm. physique and not something I want to do. And during that time, I then auditioned for Birds. And I think it was like the July, it was either the end of June, July. And I phoned up, oh no, we've had all our auditions. And then they must have done 1471 or whatever it is, you know, we at least had that before the internet. So they found my number and they called me back and it was Miss Bird. Oh. silly silly boy what have you done why are you ringing this late and basically they were having an audition of i think about four or five people on this the next week could i come down so off i trotted not knowing anything i remember going into the, the studio outside and miss town did the ballet class and i think it was jeffrey unkovich did the jazz and i adopted to do a tap solo and i just remember miss bird she just said to me you love your tap don't you <laughs> came alive um and they offered me a place there and then but again i was there with the funding issue it was a degree mm -hmm. so they just had their degree so this would have been the second year of it running discretionary grants of which dudley council which i came under gave none i fought and fought and fought they agreed the college agreed to give me a bursary but there was a shortfall mm -hmm. and eventually my my council agreed to give me the shortfall for the fees however there was no living costs mm. you know, as a single parent family my mom couldn't afford that i'd i'd come down to london i'd found somewhere to live in sidcup that then fell through which kind of tipped my balance and i was really stuck and i remember miss passmore sue passmore she phoned me up and it, it nearly got to she offered um, to take me in to live with her and then kind of the way fate worked i did an audition for birmingham panto which at the time, this was 1998, was the biggest panto in the UK, mm. ran for nearly 12 weeks. And they quite often auditioned for local dancers because obviously they didn't have to pay subsistence. Uh, of course. I went to the audition, remember it very, very well. Um, and by this time, I was a little bit more in tune with it all because I'd, I'd at least had the experience of some vocational training. So I was a little bit more abreast, but I got right down and then didn't get kept to the very end. And about two days later, uh, I got a phone call saying, would you like to do the panto? So that's kind of where my career started. And Birds quite rightly said, sorry, if you've got a three month contract in your first year of study, we can't yeah. accept you, which I get absolutely. But unfortunately I needed the money. So that's kind of where that training ended. 
and I, I moved into the profession, so I count myself really lucky. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please remember to follow, subscribe and share your experience. Growing Through Dance is now on all major platforms and being heard in over 50 countries. Your support means such a lot so that we can get the stories of dance and how it helps life out there. Please let me know what else you'd like to hear. Contact me via Instagram at Growing Through Dance Pod or like the new Facebook group Growing Through Dance Podcast for regular updates, dance growth advice, industry news and general dance discussion. If you have new stories you'd like to share, please contact me via a direct message on either social media platform. Part two of the interview with Nathan James will be out later this week when we will hear about his performing career and his many thoughts on dance. Thank you for listening today. Your host, Catherine Lucy. Mm-hmm.